Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we'll be reading verses 25 through 34. We've walked through looking at God's faithfulness all year. We've been looking at the word faithful. I do appreciate the love that I have received uh, in picture form, uh, even more so in laughter. I appreciate your laughing. I don't think you're laughing with me. I have uh, my doubts, but uh, we'll be forming a new search committee for youth pastors. <laughs> According to the Bible, I can't have a new search committee for a wife because she had a hand in that too, I'm sure. Uh, I will show you pictures from her younger days on uh, her birthday, but they all look so darn good. There's nothing to laugh at. So, uh, amen. Yeah, she's not even here to say that. Hear me say that. Don't tell her I said that. She's right there. Uh, oh, she is up here. Hey, babe. <laughs> Just stopped before I said that. I know it's giving me thumbs down. I know, I know. I messed up, buddy. <laughs> Man, pray that we'd be vulnerable. So am I. I am. Um, uh, you don't know, but I was rocking that little mustache. I, I liked it. I did. Um, it's a good thing I shaved it off before I met a man that never worked out, probably. But if you have your Bibles, you've opened it. You've opened your apps on your devices to Matthew chapter 6. So stand with me as we read God's word together. Very familiar passage of scripture from the greatest message ever preached that Jesus preached. Uh, that we have we read in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 called the Sermon on the Mount. But we look at this one section as we look at God, our provider, that the Lord provides for all of our needs. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, where the Bible says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow, or reap, or gather in the barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? What a question to ask. Aren't you worth more than the birds of the air? Can, you, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? A bird, uh, observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about, about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We're thankful for the scriptures. And Lord, we, we do pray that you would speak to us so that our hearts are transformed, and God, you would show to us through the scriptures, through your word, uh, our need for you and how you are our provider, that you are faithful in doing so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. I appreciate the song that started to sing. What a wonderful song to sing right before the message is being presented. Speak, O oh Lord, speak. What a great uh, proclamation and great 
uh, asking of, of the congregation. I pray that that's your prayer every time you come to church, every time you open the scriptures. May you pause for just a moment and say, speak, Lord, speak. Because we need to hear from heaven, don't we? We need to hear from the Lord. We need to hear from God. You don't need to hear from me or for anyone else. We need to hear from the heavens. And so that's our prayer that God will speak. In our passage, uh, we see what many have called the cure for anxiety, the cure for worrying. You and I know that worry and anxiety are some of the leading causes of depression and mental illness and sadness today. We worry about all kinds of things in our life. We worry about love and relationships, clothing, bills that keep coming in, food, shelter, gas, vacations. We worry about retirement, social security checks, safety, and the person who just pulled out in front of us. We worry about a lot of things. We often worry about material things because our expectations of what those material things will provide for us is often way too high. Bigger, better, and more is supposed to satisfy our longings and beef up our profiles, so therefore we worry about it. We have anxiety over it. But then we realize these material things have yet not met our expectations, so we have a longing in our heart for bigger, better, and more. But the last time we did that, it didn't satisfy, so we'll try it again. And just before this passage that we just read, Jesus teaches that living for material things is foolish. Living for material things is foolish, Jesus says. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. That living for material things is foolish. That if you live your life to gain material things, you are a fool. Well, that's a welcoming message, isn't it? You're visiting a guest with us. You think, well, that's mean. Well, it's true. Jesus says, you live for material things. That is foolish. Because those material things will never satisfy a longing in your heart. Uh, your, their, your expectations of what they will do for you, oh, they'll be met for a little while, but then those expectations are gone, and now you need more, bigger, better, and more. We read just before this passage, God teaching through Christ in this message about possessions and how we are not to focus our attention on possessions. He says, don't store up, verse 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we see where your treasures are, there is the condition of your heart is found. It says in verse uh, 24, no one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I know it's a Baptist church. You say, oh, don't, don't bring up money. Well, I didn't. I just read the scriptures for what they say. Jesus brought up money. And Jesus, you know why he brought up money? Because he knew money would be a problem in your life. The pursuit of it, the want for it, the gotta have it, gotta have more. Why? Because the neighbors have got more than me. They just got better than this or better than that. I gotta have that. And so Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. You're either going to serve the Lord or you're going to serve money. Which one are you going to serve? And so right after that, he teaches us and during that. And you think about the people that are hearing him say this. These are Jesus is just starting his ministry, preaching ministry. 
These are people that they know kind of who he is, but they're starting to listen to what he's saying, this message that he's preaching. And he knows that we often have a problem with gaining possessions and treasuring our possessions. If we were to covet anything, it would be what we own. Because we work hard for it. I deserve this. We often think. Jesus talking to those that are passing by, they all gather to hear him preach. Fabrics were treasured by the Jews, yet he says moths come and ruin those fabrics. Rust ruins metal, thieves steal riches. The way people use wealth is an indication of the condition of their heart. Please hear me when I say this. This is the message of Christ in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. The way people use their wealth is an indication of the condition of their heart. Now you say, well, you're not talking to me then, because I don't have wealth. I don't have a lot of it. On Friday, I will be flying, 16-hour flight, to Swaziland, South Africa. Let me tell you this, you have a lot of wealth. A lot of wealth. Most people in Swaziland live off about $2.50 a day. You make three times that in an hour just on minimum wage. In one hour, they get all day. You have a lot of wealth. You know that? We're the wealthiest nation on earth. We have so much wealth built up. And hey, look, most of the time, if you got food, shelter, and clothing, guess what? You're richer than probably 75% of this earth. You have those three things. Food, shelter, clothing. And you don't have to worry about those three. Then you are more wealthy than the majority of this earth. The way people use their wealth is an indication of the condition of their heart. If you use uh, wealth, if you use uh, the bulk of your wealth for business and to gain more wealth, then your heart is for business and your heart is not for the things of God. If you use your wealth for play, buying up all the latest toys and gadgets, spending all your wealth on vacations, then your heart is for play to satisfy your own heart and not for the things of God. If you use your wealth on bigger, better, and newer houses, cars, clothes, then your heart is for your own social status and not for the things of God. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot spend all your wealth on you and your kingdom while also having a heart for God and the things of God. You cannot do it. Amen. Your eyes can only focus on one thing at a time, he says. Your eyes cannot focus on two things at once. Either your eyes are going to focus on God, or your eyes are going to focus on wealth and money. Your eyes can only focus on one thing at a time. Now, all of you in here try to do it now. I bet I can. Now, I'm looking at you like, I can do it. I, I, I know I can. No, you cannot. Jesus says you cannot focus on two things at once. You're either going to focus on God or you're going to focus on your wealth. It's the single biggest problem in the United States. The American dream has taken place of our heavenly home that we so eagerly await. Note, hear me when I say this. Don't leave yet. The Bible does not condemn having wealth. Nowhere in the scripture will you find that the Bible condemns having a lot of stuff. Nowhere in the scriptures does the Bible condemn having a new truck or a big house or any of that. The Bible does not condemn any of that, okay? But what the Bible does condemn is not having wealth, 
but it does warn against the love of money and the wrong use of that wealth. That's what the Bible condemns. Not wealth, but the use of that wealth. Are you using it for your gain and your glory? Are you using it for God's glory and for His kingdom and to advance missions all over the world, to advance the, 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 the church and the local body of believers? It's not that having money is the problem. It's what you do with it is the problem. We see in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, listen to what the scriptures say in verses 9 and 10. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not just evil, but of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Why? Because you cannot serve two masters. You're either going to pursue money or you will pursue Christ. Which one are you going to pursue? But those who want to be rich fall into temptation. That's the goal of most teenagers, isn't it? Most teenagers in school and college kids, I'm going to grow up, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to get a lot of money and just be rich. Well, you have fallen into great temptation. That's a trap. And many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into great ruin and destruction. You can have all the money in the world and have no joy in your heart. Money does not produce joy. Money does not produce happiness. I know the country song may buy me a boat. And it might buy you a boat. You know what both stands for? Bust out another thousand. But every month, break out another thousand, break out another thousand. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. By craving it, you have wandered away. Why? Because you have shown yourself to be true. You love money more than you love God. Look down at verses 17 and 18 in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 17 and 18. Instruct those who are rich in the present uh, age not to be arrogant. It didn't say instruct those who are rich not to be rich. It just says not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. It teaches us it's not, a, it's not about having a lot of stuff. That's not the problem. It just says instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant with it. You can be rich. That's no problem. But if you are, you have a lot of wealth, don't be arrogant in it or set your hope in the uncertainty of that wealth because just as fast as you got it, it could be losing. It could be gone. It says, but set your hope on God, on God, who what? Richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Set your hope on God. Why? Because God provides all things to enjoy. All that your wealth, everything that you have, comes from the Lord. All that we have comes from God. And the Bible says to set your hope not on the, the unwavering, the unstableness of wealth, but set your hope on God who richly provides to enjoy. God who richly provides. You know what that tells me? If you don't set your hope on God, the one who richly provides to enjoy, he is faithful and just to remove that faith, and then we'll see how far that money got you. Money doesn't mean a thing when you're on total sorrow and depression and in the bottom of a pit looking down with no one around you. Where's money then? But the Bible says you put your hope in God. 
God is the one who richly provides. God is the one who is faithful to provide. So how do we do that? How do we put our hope and our faith in Him? How should we live? Preacher, we got to have money. I know that. Nowhere have I said yet that you shouldn't have it. How, we got to have money to eat, have shelter, and buy clothes and necessities that we have. But how do we put that into practice? How do we do what Jesus said in verses 19 through 24? How do we not have two uh, masters? How do we store up treasures in heaven and not on earth? How do we focus on Christ and not money or our wealth? How do we do that? Well, Jesus begins our passage today with therefore. Meaning, he's about to tell us how. Jesus is about to tell us the cure for not in, in, in the battle of not having two masters. This new section begins with Therefore, meaning there are biblical truths for us as we pursue this life. Observation number one from our passage. Very simple. There is more to life than food and clothing. There's more to life than food and clothing. We see that in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you. Well, tell me. you got to think that the hundreds of hundreds of people in this crowd, and God and Jesus just told them, look, you can't serve two masters. It's either... God or money, which one are you going to do? You ought to store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. And they're thinking, well, how do we do that? We've never heard this message before. How do we do this? How do we let go of the gain and the want and the desire and the craving for money and just release that and just follow the Lord and, and seek His face? How do we do that? He says, therefore, I'll tell you. I will tell you how to do that. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? What Jesus is saying? There's got to be more to life than that. There's got to be more to life. It's just the pursuit of clothing and food. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Day after day after day, you go to work, and work, 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 and, and paycheck after paycheck, taxes after taxes, and, and sometimes you just get in your car and you go, is this it? Like, is this it? I just wake up every day, and I just go to work just so I can buy some food and clothing and Pay the mortgage payment and car payment and whatever other payment we got, our bills, and keep power on. But Jesus knew that you and I would think that way, so what's he say? Is it like more than that? Surely there's more to life than just food and clothing. He tells them that worrying for food and clothing is foolish. It's foolish for you to do that. You gotta remember his audience. Remember those he's speaking to. You gotta think in that audience, just after he preaches this message. Jesus calls certain individuals and he says, follow me. Come follow me. That's where we get the 12 disciples from. Follow me. And you've got to understand that these 12, they don't know who they are yet, but these 12 are somewhere in this crowd probably hearing Jesus preach about these kind of things. The same disciples that he pulled away from their jobs. He pulled away from the, the, the pursuit of wealth. They were fishermen. They were, they were, this is their life. They go and fish and provide for their family, make money. And Jesus called them from that. But before he did that, he wanted them to know. He wanted them to know and remember that a life committed to the Lord is one without worry. One without worry for needs and a life of trusting in the Father to provide. Think of his audience, these men that are going to be called to follow him. They're going to be called to walk after him, to, to be saved and man, to follow Christ for uh, the, the rest of their life. He wanted them to know before they did that, in his message preaching, he wanted them to know that a life committed to the Lord is one without worry or for needs. 
Don't worry about your needs. But the Lord will provide. Why are you worrying about your needs? A life committed to the Lord is one without worry of needs, but it is, but it is a life of trusting in the Father to provide. A life of, quote, following me is one where you stop building up treasures on earth and you start building up treasures in heaven. One where your closets are full of good deeds rather than unused and unworn clothes that you don't need. It's a sad reality today when our closets at home outweigh our spiritual good deeds. And this is true. Our closets at home, just our closets, outweigh our spiritual good deeds. And what do we want? More closet space, don't we? i got to have more closet space because your closet's full. So you go in another room and fill up that closet. But in this closet, you can have tons of stuff. You haven't touched, seen, opened, tags on them. You don't need them. You see in these, uh, these um, uh, house hunting shows, you know, what's one of the things they got to have? Got to have a big old closet. And they all joke about that. I don't understand these shows, to be honest with you. I mean, she's a blogger. He sharpens pencils for a living, and they got a budget of $2.5 million. I don't get that. Y'all understand that? Like, you blog and you sharpen pencils for a living. How's your budget $2.5 million? I don't, I don't understand that. Come to Alabama, I want to see a budget of $135,000. That's what I want to see. Where's those budgets? That's not my kind of people. But what do they got to have? Got to have a big closet. We store up treasures in our closets. And yet, the closet of our spiritual good deeds is dry and empty. You know what's happening? You're serving money rather than the Lord. And you're building up treasures on earth rather than treasures in heaven. He wanted these people, those that are hearing him, to know that following me, you may have a life of little and you may have a life of much. But nevertheless, your eyes are on the Lord and not gaining on earth. Whether you have little or much. May your eyes be committed to the Lord. May your eyes be fixed on Him. May you be content on where you are. We are to build up treasures in heaven and not on earth. Food and clothing to you and I are basic needs. It's easy for you and I to come up with food and clothing, isn't it? We can go to the thrift store and buy some clothes. We can get some from people. We, we trade out clothes. We've got kids. Man, we just trade out some clothes. It's wonderful. I mean, it's, it really is a wonderful thing. Just trade out bins of clothes. Uh, it's easy to get clothes. You can go to food banks and churches and get free food uh, today. Jesus says, isn't life more than food and, uh, and the body more than clothing? You think of that, you go, that's easy. Food and clothing is, is not hard for us. But to the audience, hearing Jesus speak, food and clothing would be hard to come by. Many of his hearers work long days and long hours, fingers to the bowl, just to provide food and clothing. To you and I, that's nothing. It's easy for us to get those things in the United States. Some may have more or better than others, but you still can get them. For you and I, it may be, is it like more than big houses, fine cars, and big accounts? What happens when all those are full? Then what? Then is there a pursuit for more than that? Jesus is preparing his hearers that a life with Christ is a life pursuing needy treasures. A life with the Lord is a life pursuing heavenly treasures. Building up treasures in heaven. Jesus was poor with nowhere to lay his head, yet he was happy and peaceful. Paul said in 2 Corinthians that he was, quote, poor, yet making many rich. He was poor, yet making many rich. Not by money, but by the glory of knowing Christ. 
Paul says, I am poor, yet I'll make many rich. Why? Because I have shared the gospel with them. They have come to know the glory of Christ. When you know Christ and the riches of His glory, it satisfies your needs. And Paul says, I am poor, but I am making many rich. Because nothing compares to the riches of the glory of Christ. Amen? Nothing compares to the riches of knowing Christ of living for Christ, of trusting in Christ. It's, there's got to be more to life than food and clothing. And Jesus says, there is. There is. There's heavenly things. Number two, you are, you are worth more than all creation. You are worth more than all creation. Look at verse 26 and following. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you worth more than them? I mean, you and I got to believe in our own life. God's got to care for me more than them. And he tells them that, consider the birds, they don't sow, they don't read, they don't go out and plant stuff and grow things and have a job. They don't do any of that. God takes care of them. Surely he takes care of you. You're worth more than they are. Can any of you add one moment of his lifespan by worrying? Why do you worry about clothes? Observe the wildfires of the field, brother. They don't labor or spin thread, and I tell you that not even Solomon with all the splendor was adorned like one of these. But that's how God clothes the grass of the field where which is here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow. Won't he do much more for you? Surely he will. You of little faith, he says. So don't worry saying what we eat or what we drink or what we wear. Why? Because you're worth more than that. To God, you're worth more than all creation. And we, we see beautiful flowers, and what do we do? We stop and look at them and take pictures. So how, look how beautiful that is. That flower didn't do anything to be free. It didn't do anything. The only thing that flower did was do exactly what God wanted him to do and grow right where he grew and, and it just sprout out with these beautiful flowers and petals and then we walk by and go, wow, look how beautiful that is. You know what Jesus teaches you and I? He says, uh, you're worth more, aren't you? Surely you and I are worth more to God than just the flowers that are here today and then the lawnmower comes over and cuts them tomorrow. Not late, we haven't had any rain, but all we got is brown. I know in my yard we do crazy You're worth more than all the creation. He says, so don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. The basic necessities that you need, don't worry about those things. God knows what you need, and if you put <coughs> first, he will supply. He's faithful to do so. See, this is putting verse 33 into practice. You know, verse 33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things we provided to you. How do we do that? This is how we do that. God knows what we need, so we put him first. We put him first, he will supply our needs, he's faithful to do so. But how do we do that? How do we seek the kingdom of God first and not the kingdom of this world? I know a lot of times when you get up, the first thing you think is another day at work. Another day. Another day at work. Going. Another day of grinding so I can pay the bills. But how do we seek first the kingdom of God? First, start with your time. How do we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all of these things that Jesus talked about, what you wear, what you'll have, possessions, all those things will add. How do you do that? First, start with your time. Put God first with your time every morning, every day. Put God first. Time for prayer. Time for reading the scriptures. Time for uh, meditating on those scriptures. Time for um, memorizing those scriptures. Put God first with your time every day. 
If you're not doing that, your actions reveal the condition of your heart. You have more desire for social media, job, or activities than you do have for God. And that's foolish, Jesus says. Put God first in your time every day. But you also put, put God first in every week. Put God first in every week. Attend God's house faithfully when corporate worship is happening. Yes, even Wednesdays. Put God first every day, but also put God first in every week. Devote yourself every week to the social gathering of the saints of God. Come together, worship the Lord. Why? Because He's faithful to provide for you. If you're not, your actions reveal the condition of your heart. You have more desire for the things of this earth, more desire for work, sports, your recliner, whatever the case may be. Put God first in every week. Thirdly, put God first in every payday. Uh-oh. I don't have any amens yet. I don't, I don't, you know, I expect any. Put God first in every payday. Starting to get a little back pain now. Hurting. Put God first in every payday. God commands that we give faithfully and sacrificially. We are the ones that put a limit of 10%. We pay our tithe to the Lord. Yes, they gave a tenth, a tithe to the storehouse when they stored up things in the storehouse for food and future things. But all the rest of Scripture, when it talks about giving, it does not say 10%. Every time you read in the scriptures of giving to the Lord, it's always faithfully and sacrificially. You and I are the ones that put a limit on 10%. For most people, 10% is not sacrificial. For most. Some it is. But for most people, it's not. If you want to see first the kingdom of God, put God first in every payday. If you're not, your actions reveal the condition of your heart. You have more desire for earthly and personal gain rather than heavenly and kingdom gain. You have more desire with your money to build up treasures on earth than you do treasures on heaven. You've heard the saying that show me your checkbook and I'll show you your treasures, your loves and your hearts and your desires. If we're going to build up treasures in heaven, we have to recognize that all that we have is not ours, it's all his anyway. And instead of building up treasures on earth for, uh, you know, a small amount of 70, 80, 90, 100 years, Jesus says, no, 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 you've missed it. You are to build up treasures in heaven with all that you have, meaning your wealth doesn't go just to you. Your wealth goes to the church. It goes to missions. It goes to kingdom things. It goes to loving and serving and honoring the Lord. Put God first in every payday. Put God first in your choices. Do not leave God out when making choices. Make no decision without the wisdom and the guidance of God. This is hard sometimes, but may we put God first in our choices. This is how we seek first the kingdom of God. In our time every day, in our actions every week, in our payday with our money, and with our choices every day, we seek God's kingdom first. Make no decisions without the wisdom and the guidance of God. If you're not doing that, your actions reveal the condition of your heart. You have more desire for what you want rather than what God wants or desires for you. John MacArthur put it this way. It means absolutely nothing to profess Christ if your life doesn't back it up. It means absolutely nothing for you to profess Christ if your life doesn't back it up. You know what that means? It means nothing that if you say you're a Christian, you say you love the Lord, you say you love Christ, and you even go to church, but if your life does not back it up of what you say, it means nothing. 
And you can fool the world, but you will not fool him. Build up treasures in heaven. Why? You're going to spend eternity there. And what is all this stuff down here going to mean? Nothing. Nothing. So we build up treasures there where people can't steal, where rust won't destroy, where moths won't eat away. It means absolutely nothing to confess Christ and your life will back it up. But I would, I would dare to say that this is the life of most believers. They say things, but their life does not back it up. Listen, you will live out what you truly believe. You understand that? You can say what you believe, but you'll live out what you really believe. You'll live out what you actually believe. If you say you love the Lord and love the church and love of God and all this, and who wrote, I love the Lord? But all of your wealth and your possessions goes towards you, and I'm just going to throw a little $10 bill, $20 bill, and offer plate to, to, to just kind of ease your heart. And that means you don't have a love for the Lord, the things of God. You can say you love the Lord, but your actions prove you really don't. You really don't. It's just all a show. It's just an all of once saved, always saved show. Your priorities are wrong when you neglect Christ and His church but have time for work, play, sports, recliners, and all kinds of extracurricular activities. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Listen, if you do all other things, they're going to work out. Amen? They will work out. Won't He do it? Yes. You seek first the kingdom of God, and you don't have a worry in life anymore. But you just seek God. Why? Because the greatest worry in your life is that you better be seeking God first. So when we do that, it takes worry away. Look at verse 32. I find this intriguing, what Jesus says. Verse 32. He says, For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them as well. You know what Gentiles represent? They represent the world. The lost people. That's what the Gentiles represent. And Jesus is looking at a bunch of people and saying, Look, the Gentiles pursue that. The Gentiles pursue the world. And God knows you need the same thing. And so for us, if you and I, we're going to pursue the world and the things of this world and build up wealth on earth, you know what Jesus is saying? You're just like the world. That's what he's saying. He says, that's what the world does. The Gentiles go and they, they crave money and crave more. Got to have more. Got to have bigger, better, and more. That's what the world does. So look, if you're doing that, you'll look no different than the world. You can profess Christ, but your life will back it up. And so he's teaching us, if you, you can look like the world. And you will look like the world if you do that. He's saying when you pursue material things and worry over them, you're no different than the world. You know what Jesus is teaching us? You don't have to do what the world does to have that the world has. I think that's what we learn from this. He says, look, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, these things that we need, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them too. So don't go pursue them like the world does. Just look to Christ. Look to God to provide those things. I think Jesus teaches you and I, you don't have to do what the world does to have what the world has. You can be content, enjoy having all that, not by pursuing money and serving the master of money, just putting Christ first in your life. You can have what the world has, but you don't have to do what the world does and neglect God and pursue money. Pursue God, Christ says. You know why? Because he's our provider. The Lord is our provider. And He's faithful to provide. But Jesus says, won't He do it? Yes, He will. And the Lord knows you need those things. He'll provide for you. Your job is not your provider. God is. 
The job that you go to every day that gives you a paycheck, that is not your provider. God is your provider. The government is not your provider. God is your provider. The Lord is your provider. God just simply uses your job to help provide the needs that you have in your life. And for the majority of us, we have more than we need, don't we? Don't we? Can we agree with that? Yes? We have more than we need. Oh, you may not have as much as you want, but we got more than we need. You know why God's giving you more than you need? To give it away. To serve others. To give it to the Lord so He can expand the kingdom of God so that more and more people will hear the gospel message of Christ so that they too will feel and know and understand the riches of the glory of Christ in their own life. God's giving you more than you need so that you will give it away. God's testing you on that. He's testing us on that. Seek first the kingdom of God. Why? Because you're worth more to God than anything else on this earth. Number three, real quickly. We seek to feed our spiritual self and clothe our spiritual self. I think there's an interesting... Uh, Jesus was a masterful preacher. Uh, I mean, he, he ought to be God in the flesh. But man, the parallels that he preached about from food and clothing to spiritual food and spiritual clothing that we put on was just wonderfully done. Jesus did an amazing job replacing food and clothing to spiritual food and clothing. He knows what we need. He knows we need food and clothing. And when we focus on kingdom things, we realize we should be our spiritual self and clothe our spiritual self with spiritual things. Just as Jesus was going up to be tempted by the devil, he had been fasting for uh, a long time. And the devil comes to him knowing Jesus is hungry. Food. Material food. He's hungry. He needs some food. So what does Satan do? He tempts him. He says, Look, turn these into some bread you could eat. And instead of uh, caving into the temptation of Satan to serve him and what Satan can provide, the world can provide for Christ, he reminds us in his words, no, I'm not going to look to you, Satan, and the world to provide what I need right now. You don't know what I need. I'm going to look to God for what I need. And so he says in Matthew 4, 4, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You don't need, you don't need just food in your belly. You need spiritual food. And that spiritual food is the word of God. You need God's word in your life. If you feel like you're not faithful, that you're not the Christian you ought to be, or you're not living the life you weren't once were, or you need the Bible in your life because it's not working out, go to the Scriptures. Go to God's Word. You cannot live on bread alone, but you must live. The only way you will live uh, for eternity is through the words of the Lord, through the Word of God. We clothe ourselves. Not only do we need spiritual food, but we also need spiritual clothing. In Colossians chapter 3, listen to what it says. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, watch the clothing that we are to take off and the clothing we are to put on. Spiritual clothing. Verse 8, but now put away the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off old self with his practices. This is what 
This is what Christ does when we come to know the Lord. You take off those things. Take off wrath, anger. Take off malice and slander. Spit out filthy language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Since you put off the old self, it's called old self is removed. It's buried with Christ in the grave. Take that off. Then he tells us what to put on. He says to put on new self. You're being renewed in all according to the image of your creator. In verse 12, therefore is God's chosen one, holy, dearly loved, put on compassion. So we take off those things. What is the spiritual clothing that we need? See, you think you need uh, American Eagle and Nike and Under Armour. No, you need these things. Gods don't care whether you wear designer clothes. God wants to know, are you being compassionate with people? Are you being kind and humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance with one another? Are you doing, do you have those things on? While I'm wearing an Under Armour shirt, I know. I didn't buy it, so I gave it to me. Amen. Y'all were wondering, wasn't it? Somebody gave it to me. I didn't get any marbles or where. I don't know if they even had I don't know. Somebody gave it to me. Bless God. What a friend. That's the kind of friend that wouldn't put pictures of me up on the screen. But what do we put on? We put on those things. Why? Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts, and be what? Be thankful. How do you get the peace of Christ? You put on Christ. All of those things are the characteristics of God. Put those things on. Compassion, kindness, patience, love, forgiveness for one another. Put on those things. It doesn't matter what you're actually wearing, but what is your heart wearing? What is in your heart? Because when you stand before God, He's not going to care what's in your closet. He's going to know what is uh, the spiritual good that you have done. What have you put on? So, we see the kingdom of God first. In the story of woman at the well, Jesus teaches us how God providing satisfies us. You have a woman at the well who has been dipping from the well of the earth to satisfy longings in her heart. She had had five husbands and one of the guys she's with now is not her husband. And she she has this satisfying longing in her heart. She's been dipping at the well of the world trying to satisfy She's trying to depend on the wealth of the world and the well of the world to satisfy her heart, but she kept getting thirsty again. So she kept coming back for more world, more world, and serving the, the world and serving the desires of her own heart. And then Jesus intersects her life in this moment, and he tells her something that is just the most powerful thing that you and I need to know. So, preacher, how do I... It's hard not to run after those things. And you know what? I know that. I know that. <laughs> things tear up and they break down and you think, I need a new one. I got to have a new one. Right? I'm in the same 
Both of you are, I guess you could say. I know that. But Jesus tells this woman who has been digging at the well of the earth, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. You know what Jesus is saying? As long as you pursue wealth and money, you'll be thirsty again. You'll always be thirsty. You'll always want more. You're never satisfied. He says, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up for in him for eternal life. Jesus says, as long as you keep serving the world and the things of this world, you'll always be thirsty. He says, if you'll drink from the water I give you, which is living water through salvation, coming to know Christ and the forgiveness of sins, he said, you will never thirst again. That's what I want, isn't it? Isn't that what you desire? Never thirst again. Old sin nature comes out every now and then. I get thirsty again. Listen, I pray that in your heart you are seeking first the kingdom of God. I want you to know this now. That does not mean you cannot have things. Okay? Some of y'all, uh, you've been looking for a new car or truck. You're like, maybe I should go get it. You go do what God leads you to do. Okay? Do what God wants you to do. Pray about it. God leads you, provides for it. Then guess what? Go get it. As long as, as long as our wealth doesn't go to everything we want and it doesn't go to the things of God. Most people today are payment poor. You know that? Most people are payment poor. Payment after payment after payment, payment for that, payment for that, payment for that. Uh, I went, I, we have a payment for a car, we know. I went to pay that payment one time. The guy come in and paid a payment. He yeah, took out a loan for a four-wheeler. I don't get that. I'm like, four-wheeler? And she told the balance of that four-wheeler. It was like five, six thousand dollars. I'm like, whoa, that, it does the same thing as my 2004 four-wheeler. That it, 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 it has a little trouble going up hill, but it makes it eventually. Well, it does the same, the same place you go. Yeah, man, it, you know, God's not telling us about the half things. It's what we do with it. It's just what we do with it. But may we seek first the kingdom of God and know that He'll provide. If you just seek God, He'll provide. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for all that we have. We know it comes from you. God, I pray for every individual in the room. Lord, there's people in the room that, uh, Lord, we, we're so wealthy. All of us in here are so wealthy. God, I pray that you would move our hearts to use our wealth, not for our gain, but for your gain. Lord, you know we need things. We need vehicles. And, uh, Lord, sometimes they tear up. you got to get another one. And, Lord, we, we know we need food and clothing and shelter and all those things. You know that. But God, I pray that we will not focus on our jobs and our money to provide those. God, we'll look to you. And God, in decisions that we have to make on buying things and gaining things, Lord, we will look to you. That's, why, that's how we seek first the kingdom of and God, whatever you provide for us, whatever it is, Lord, I pray, God, that we'll give that back to you in praise and honor and glory. God, we'll not use it for our own gain and for boasting in ourselves, but God, we'll boast only in you. God, we all have more than we need. And I pray, Lord, we'll have open hands to serve others and to give to others, to serve missions, to take the gospel to the nations so that other people will know the glories of Christ. Listen, if you're in the room this morning, You've been dipping at the well of the world. You've not been satisfied. I can tell you exactly what Jesus said. If you drink the living water, he provides, meaning salvation and 
forgiveness of sin. You'll never thirst again. Would you come to Jesus this morning? I'll be down front. Pastor John will be here as well. We'd love to pray with you, talk with you. Or maybe you're in the room and you say, you know, Lord, I need to seek forgiveness. God, you've given me so much. And you know, church, it, it's not necessarily material things either. It's not that God provides material things. You know what he also provides? Love. Encouragement when you need it. Comfort. Grace and mercy in your life. He provides all that. Maybe we as a church need to come and praise the Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for providing. You have been faithful to provide. Lord, I want to use everything you've given me to your honor and glory. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. You stand and sing with us.